Welcome to the Ramblings of Beef and Slip, your weekly companion to help you unpack the Catholic Mass readings and discuss how the Word helps you know your God. All music on this podcast is written and played by Mikey Egan. Mikey is a diehard supporter of Ramblings and the Catholic Church. If you are interested in having him play your parish or church, go to mnbank.com. Welcome back to another recording of the podcast of Beef and Slim. My name is Slim, also known as Kyle Cockleman. I'm Father Adam, a.k.a. Beef. Beef. And I'm Kevin, also known as Ampersand. Which Although, sh- one of my kids yesterday told me that they should call me Rambling, because all I do is talk, 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 talk. Ooh, that'd be good. <laughs> but I was just thinking, you could need to not be at the end, because you're Beef. Actually, I need to go first, because I'm Yeah. Beef, and then it needs to be him, and then you. But Kyle is so arrogant that he always wants to go first. And he sneak attacks us with the start That's of the That's why I go first, is because I like to sneak attack. we just said we needed second to do this. <laughs> to what, Father? To read the readings. Because? Because <laughs> I'm a very, very busy pastor with many important things to do. <laughs> and I guess there was a Holy Day of Obligation where I had two whole masses. Oh, two masses. Man. All 37 of his parishioners came. <laughs> now, it was offensive. a blast. <laughs> that's I will, offensive. I will attack you. I have at least 42. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, Holy Days of Obligation are always a little bit depressing because attendance isn't what it should be. Because yeah. you st- would think you'd at minimum you'd have... Almost your entire Sunday. You give a couple people who can't get away for work. I've got some nurses that work yeah. 12 hour shifts. I'll give a couple of them because yeah. seven to seven is just physically impossible. But it was definitely better than other parishes I've been on percentage of people. That's good. I think for the most part, I don't think it's a lack of wanting to. I think it's a f- like remembering. I don't think as a church we give enough like notice. I don't think we remind the day of. I understand we say it on Sunday and all that stuff, but. Although I think October was three days long this year. Yeah, October it went felt like super that. short. Like, yeah. like two days before this mass, my secretary and I were like, "Uh oh, we got to get people. <laughs> we got to do this. <laughs> we forgot about this." Uh <laughs> oh. I think that uh, I think also part of the problem is that every year everything switches and jumps around, and this this holy day of obligation is no longer a holy day of obligation yeah. this year, but the next year it is. But then for the next three years after that, it's been removed to Sunday. Yeah, which what is except on Thursdays? Line? This year Christmas. This is year Christmas on a Sunday. Yeah, and which is nice for pastors. Yeah, it's awesome because Christmas, which also means because seven days later is Mary, Mother of God, yeah. which is New Year's Day. Is also on a Sunday, which it's the ideal because that means you only have to come up with two big homilies instead of four big homilies in two weeks. Because the Sunday, because you also have your Sundays, you yeah. got your solemnities. So Christmas has got to be a big one. Got to preach big on mom. So yeah, it's awesome. Although I'm maybe you off. should try to preach big every Sunday. No, preach big or go home. I just live that big. needs to. We need to print that. <laughs> oh my gosh, I've got a new hashtag. You know the, you know the sign the Notre Dame players the <laughs> hold it up in the back of the church. Preach big or go home. Preach big or go home. Oh, no, so yesterday we were talking about grace and the sacraments and stuff like that, and so I was drawing this analogy on the board of a cloud and rain falling down. And Michael Jordan. That's from Jordan's birthday. Oh. Um, and. Uh, and so then I was like, so then we, when we go to the sacraments, we get wet with grace. And so I was just like, oh, that's a new hashtag. So now every time I leave Mass or go to confession, I'm going to be like, hashtag wet with grace. <laughs> so excited. <laughs> I'm glad somebody is. <laughs> I also like that you did the fingers. 
Hashtag. Yeah. You can't not do the fingers when you're doing it. Hashtag. One time in a talk, Jordan and I hit arms together, like boom, boom. It's like and said hashtag together. It was really cool. You guys are super neat. We, we saw it on a, a John Christ Twitter video. I love John Christ. He's, he's so good. He's hilarious. If you, if you don't know who that is, he's a Christian comedian. Top notch. Follow him on Twitter, Snapchat, He's Instagram. also, he likes to push the buttons of people, yep. church people. Right? Walks right up to the line. And then jumps over it. Kicks you and, <laughs> and, and walks over it. Uh, Father, do you have any comments on John Christ? <laughs> no. <laughs> he will next week. He's going to go home and listen to him on his video. You really should, Father. Yeah, I know nothing. Did you ride your bike up? I didn't because there's a good chance of rain. Yeah. I got spit on a little bit on the way up. Mm, that's a bummer. It is because, yeah, last night is November. And my church was too hot. So you would think that the riding weather would be just, gone, just, but the temperature is good. Stop it. We're going to make fun of you for a second. Last <laughs> night is November. Today is November. For the next 29 days, it is November. I was picturing just last night at his church, it was November. No other time. <laughs> we only got one day of November there. I was speaking of the heat that we have had. It is going to be, yeah. a, I think, a mild winter. I'm hoping for a little. Oh, I've short. heard it's supposed to be an extreme yeah, winter. I've, I've heard it's supposed to be a brutal winter. Well, it's not showing up, so one way or another, it's going to be short. What's uh, What are your farmer people telling you? I feel like they have a better idea of this than we do. Yeah, they have said that. They think it might be more mild because it's really? still 70-some degrees outside. Mm-hmm. I have give a shot at 80 this week still. Yeah, I think on, t- what's today, Wednesday? So Thursday, like, mm-hmm. there's a shot of 80. Yeah. It's crazy. I'm angry. Yeah. I'm okay with it. I hate winter. I'm fine. I'm gone next week in Baltimore. It's still going to be in the 60s. Through yeah, the wait, where are you going next week? I'm going to go learn how to be a new pastor. It's about Ooh, time, man. Are you going to Rebuilt Conference? Oh, no. uh, that's Baltimore. What did I say? New pastor workshop. I told him he needs to go check out that church, I, it, the Rebuilt Church up there in Baltimore. But that's not why you're going to Baltimore? No. no. Oh. Is it this weekend? A, there's a seminary there. Oh. So they've got a thing for new pastors. So That's which, cool. Which doing. seminary is it? I don't know. Holy Apostles? I don't know. That's he'll, in Maryland. He'll look it up on his drag down. Are you flying? Yeah. You're not taking so your bike? all four of us. No. That'd be a long ride. Um, Cruising down the highway. signed pastors this year, and all four of us are flying out on the same one, and three Get, of us are coming home together. So if you are at... Shh, stop talking. If you <laughs> what? I think we need to ask our listeners that if they're like huh? a leather person... They should create like a leather jacket with a sweet patch on the back. I'm scared for what they for Father G- for Father Adam to ride on his bike. You know, I'm just thinking about how every week we panic and go, "Oh my gosh, we have four minutes. We haven't gotten to the gospel yet." And here we are joking about leather jackets. <laughs> and we're about to be ten minutes into the t- <laughs> ten minutes. That is terrifying. Well, uh, we're seven minutes in. It's called St. Mary's Seminary and University. That's where I'm going. Mm, never heard of it. Uh, That's not good. Here's the readings, everybody. First reading is 2 Maccabees chapter 7, 1 through 2, 9 through 14. Second reading is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 16 through chapter 3, verse 5. And the gospel is Luke 20, 27 through 38. And I think Bacon is going to start off the first reading. Would you guys agree with me? I like Bacon. I, like I do bacon. like Bacon, but I was going to say I'm really mad that they split Maccabees because it's like they cut out the good part of the movie. Like when you put it into like one of those Christian movie websites and it t- cuts out all the gore <laughs> and the cursing and everything like that. They just cut all the, the good parts out of this reading. I'm really upset. <laughs> say more about that. 
Yeah, tell me what. what well, so is. I mean, like it talks about like the third person, like cruelly dying, and the fourth person, the brother dying, and everything like that. But it doesn't explain that like one brother they like skinned alive, and then they cut out a dude's tongue, and they chopped off some hands and some feet. I mean, they're not just like messing with these guys; they're like brutally it's torturing. Like Game them. of Thrones up in yeah. there, torture. I would know. I haven't seen it, but I assume that it's really? it's like that. Don't watch Game of Thrones. It's definitely not appropriate to watch. But this, I mean, if you want to go read like some bros fighting for the Lord and getting murdered, okay. Well, tell, tell us about this story. Place. I don't understand the story. Okay, so the there's these seven brothers and their mother, and they're arrested for being Jewish. Has anyone ever seen Father Adam try to stretch? <laughs> <laughs> I miss it. Can we can we he do gets this again? Well, <laughs> <laughs> I got it, everybody. <laughs> nope, we're good. <laughs> So there's seven brothers and their mother. They're arrested for being Jewish, and they're tortured, and the king forces them to eat pork. So he's like, I've got bacon. And they're like, no. Which might be the most tempting food ever. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even have to be, like, offered to eat it. Just the smell alone. Oh. <laughs> I know. I know we're going to get into the Sadducees later, and everyone's like, they're sad because they don't believe in the resurrection. I think they're sad because they don't get to eat bacon. I mean, let's be honest. It is. That's probably true, too. It's a travesty. Yeah. Jesus came to redeem us from our sins and to give us bacon. Um, and <laughs> they're like... <laughs> that should be your homily this Sunday. <laughs> but just that sentence, <laughs> bike drop it after that. <laughs> okay, so the story, they're forced to eat bacon. Yeah, and they're like, no, we'd rather die than break the laws of God. Okay, so, so this is then where we get cut out. Right from verses 3 to 8. Yes, and that's when the king... Just mercilessly... Just pissed. Yeah. He's like, are you kidding me? Fire up the cauldrons, get them at like a thousand degrees, and we're going we're gonna to boil you alive. We're going to skin you. We're going to cut off your hands and your tongues and your feet. And he keeps offering each brother after... And he makes them watch. He makes the mom and all the brothers watch their brothers get tortured, mm. hoping that that will inspire them to... Um, to break. To break. Yeah. But as we all know, that just makes us stronger. Like, come at us. Us Catholics are hardcore. Yeah, but if there was come bacon. at us. I love it. I know. I eat bacon every we're, morning. And we're going to get to that whole come at us. It only makes us stronger. We're going to put out a special podcast on the election next week, this week. What day is it? It has to be next week because the election next is next week. I'm trying to figure out what We're day We're doing is. it after the election to try and calm people's nerves, right? It will be okay. That or just rile them up. <laughs> How about you try to calm them down? I'll try to rile everybody up. I have no part of this. I will be out of the state. <laughs> All right, continue. So then, so we the verses 3 through 8 are just kill... Or, uh, Going into the details yeah. about how he's killing them and how he's mad. And then we get to at the point of death, he said, blah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is right after the second, the second brother is dying. Uh, this is actually, I think it's the second brother saying this. Yeah, the second brother says at the point of death, um, you accursed fiend, you are depriving us of this present life, but the king of the world will raise us up to live again forever. It is for his loss that we are dying. Which is like, I mean, how do these guys even know what the king of the world, like Jesus doesn't show up. Yeah, he doesn't show up on the scene for what, another four, five hundred, six hundred years, Father? Uh, dude, that's what I had thought, and then something I was reading this morning said it's made just be a couple hundred years, but either way, it's still centuries. Yeah, but they're so confident in the resurrection uh, and that these laws that they've been given are worth dying for. And these are the laws that Moses passed, right? Well, the laws are ones that started with the Ten Commandments, and then while they were out in the wilderness, in the wilderness. And stuff built up later, they had, oh man, was it 468, something like that, that ballpark. 
just under 500 laws that they had come up with, most of which were just man-made. They mean, they made sense. They flowed from the laws on some things, but they were not essential to um, what it means to be a good practicing Jew out of necessity. Okay. So this this reading, how do we relate this into our... What's the point of this? Why is this so? Why is this a reading? Go. Because as always, the first reading ties into the gospel, which talks about the resurrection, which is what the gospel is talking about. Because as we're getting ready to enter into Advent here in a few weeks, we're getting ready to wrap up the liturgical year because Advent is the beginning of the new year. So we're hearing about stuff at the end times. So Jesus's message has been getting much more direct. It's been getting stronger. It's also starting to speak of God's mercy. And now he is talking about the resurrection because his death is getting ready um, to come at us. So I was thinking that it was pointing to us. I mean, yes, it ties to the gospel, all that stuff, but it was pointing us to the fact that this life is not the end of life. Like that, that we have to hold these truths. (laughs) That's what I just said. That's what the resurrection is. I wasn't listening. I don't think I was listening. I don't actually remember what you said. Keep going. Anyway, the point is life was not, this life is not the end of life. Right, like that. With the resurrection, we're we're meant we're meant for more. But the weird part is that they would know the resurrection, and then the very last line of the life, there will be no resurrection to life. Which, anyway, I thought that was cool. Well, that's for that's for the king. Yeah, yeah attendance. Yeah. Like yeah. he's just like, no, there's going to be no resurrection for you. Like you're a scoundrel and a heathen. And the brothers are saying the fourth brother mm-hmm. is saying this to yeah. the king. Yeah, I mean, I feel like with Mel Gibson releasing Hacksaw Ridge, you know, this week. Uh, I wish oh, he that's would, a Mel Gibson movie? Yeah. I didn't know that. I wish he would do the story of the Maccabees, mm. or someone in Hollywood would do the story of the Maccabees, because it would be so much better than Courageous. I mean, this is, I mean, like, Courageous is a fine movie, but, like, this is, this is Courageous. Like, watching these guys get rocked, and being able to show that and say, like, okay, I know this isn't, you know, for all the kids in the world, but, like, people need to know what's going on, like, an authentic, like, this is crazy Christian witness and martyrdom. and Well, and they, we talk about this all the time, I feel like, on this podcast, that if we... If we taught the Christian faith in its authenticity, which is like this hardcoreness of Maccabees and this, the martyred saints and all that stuff, like I don't feel like as many people would leave the church. Like to believe in something that much to the point of death is is true belief. But we water it down to then when we hear the stories, like of the priest that just died a month ago, who was just martyred a month or so yeah, ago, uh, Father Jacques. ML. Yeah. It was like in June, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I said no. a couple months ago. You said, said a couple months ago. Well, you know, time. <laughs> Five, six. I was, it was in July because it was one of my first homilies at uh, my new parishes. Okay. So it was July. Details. Okay. Time uh, Anyway, point was, then when we hear stories about that, we actually believe that he died for his faith. Like, I feel like when most people hear that story of that priest who was martyred, we hear, oh, this guy was martyred. Well, I'm sure there was something else going on. We don't believe in truth that he was dying for his faith. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. Oh, and I think that's why the church brings it up every year is to remind people, you know, how when I'm talking to these kids, like, I always want to get them on the topic of purgatory and heaven and hell. Because when they start to hear about purgatory and that suffering that goes on there and, like, you know, to be purified of all our things and say, okay, this is why we want to suffer on earth because, like, it's it's much easier here. Like, it's much better here. And then to, to avoid purgatory, to get to heaven uh, sooner is is the goal. And to be reminded of that each and every year and to have our, our priest preaching on that idea is so huge. Yeah. And I think part of it is got to overcome the entire cultural aspect that we have going on right now is the fact that most of our 
people in the pew have a third grade level understanding theology. of the faith. They don't yeah. know anything much deeper. So I was listening to Bishop Barron and I talked to the again. <laughs> and there it just, is. Just the rector of the seminary the other day it was on um, seven points for the new evangelization or something like that. And um, one of the things he was talking about, and this is something he's talked about before and I think we may have talked about here, is that um, in every other field, you know, like in high school, you know, you're a 14-year-old kid, you read Shakespeare. You read this mm-hmm. high-level drama um, mm-hmm. play and have to wrestle with it. Or you read those great works in high school where no high school student is going to be able to fully grasp, but you start to get those ideas, you have those conversations about it, and yet we stop with just Jesus loves you, yeah. which is true, but we don't talk about this stuff in terms of actually wrestling with it. So I think a part of it is we have this, this whole demeanor of hippie Jesus, hippie faith, that as you read about people having their arms cut off, we envision it in cartoon, yeah. vegetal mindset, and not the gruesome, what would it look like to have your skin ripped off of your body? Yeah. In RCIA this last week, I talked about how the Bible is full of these, like, manly, gory stories of John the Baptist. You know, his beheading was the example I used. First of all, imagine, because we were talking about TV, and do you have to avoid all stuff that's not, you know, pure, so mm. to speak. I said, mm. you have to know where your temptation is, where it's bad, but the Bible is full of bad stories. What dance allowed the king to get rid of the king away? Probably wasn't the chicken dance. <laughs> probably weren't a lot of clothes involved, if I'm guessing. And then to imagine a guy's head being lopped off and all the brain matter and goop hanging out on a tray as his head comes to you. It's the same type of thing. Yeah. But when we read these stories, we just we fail to think of them, I think, and the gravity that we have. And part of it is also getting past that cultural fact that we were at, I think third level third grade level theology yeah and i think if we want to when we're trying to reach our people so many of the people that we're that we're talking to and preaching to and ministering to are in almost like uh just riding on on comfort chairs that we need to there needs to be some shock and awe and the bible definitely provides that and you know one of my favorite ways to suck the air out of the room is to go back to the apostles and be like these poor itinerant fishermen are you know we're flayed alive we're roasted alive we're dragged by horses were crucified upside down you know like and go through the abuse that happened to them and like even if they've heard it before they all just like get really quiet and are just like holy cow and because they just we forget about that like we just kind of push that away because we don't want to think about that aspect of our faith but it's the part that draws us back in are those incredible witnesses yeah i'm trying to figure out how to tie in the second reading but and you tried, Kevin. I just don't understand what you're trying to do here. Strengthen and guard you, hopefully better than the seven brothers. Uh, so in there, he says that you know, may our Lord Jesus Christ, God and Father, who has loved us and give us everlasting encouragement and good hope through His grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen them in every good uh, uh, deed and word. And so I just made the joke that like hopefully He gives us more uh, strength and guards us better than He guarded the seven brothers. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously He gave them a ton of strength. Um, and like at first glance, we're like, well, He didn't do a very good job of guarding them because they got you know, flayed alive. Mm -hmm. They weren't delivered from the perverse and wicked people. They were handed right over to them. Um, And I think we get scared sometimes that we're going to be delivered up into the hands of those people. Um, And we don't have trust that the Lord is faithful and that he's going to lead us uh, uh, and protect us from the evil one in a great way. Okay, so there's a line, finally, brothers and sisters, pray for us, so that the word of the Lord may speed forward, speed forward and be glorified. That is such a cool line. Like the, the idea that the gospel moves forward even amongst the perverse and wicked that it that we pray for the speed of the gospel to hit hearts and to 
to resonate with people. I think that's such a cool line. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Somebody else talk. Um, so this passage, or this part of the letter at least, is um, referencing, and so last week I think we had where Paul's talking about, if you get a letter that has a different message with my name on it, yeah. then don't listen to it. Is Someone had put something out there um, focused on eschatology, which is theology, discussion, thinking about last things, so when we die, okay, um, when we're done here. Our heads get lopped off, or we gotta get our skin gets ripped off, and whatnot. Um, talking about this stuff, and it was not in line with the gospel. So he's trying to reaffirm the people in um, everything that he said before, and what's in line with the message that Jesus has given us. And so, um, it's definitely what we've got going on here. So to tie on that theme of um, the seven brothers, I blanked on who they were, um, that he will be given a strength. And so it does, again, it gives very much the sense that we are going to be in the midst of a battle, we'll be in the midst of a struggle and a trial, um, and we're going to have to continue to go forward, but God is going to stay with us in the midst of it. Um, mm. and, um, and you already said what I was going to say, so I'm not going to repeat it. No, you're fine. Okay, have you got anything on the second reading? Anything else? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, it's a really, it's just a simple reading and just a a simple exhortation. Um, I think it's a good, I think it's a good reading to just sit with. Yeah. Like there's a lot of good lines in there that we can sit on and meditate on the Lord's goodness, on his grace, on his work in our life about him being faithfulness. Yeah. Um, It's not so much a commentary reading Uh as it is a reflection reading. Um, And it's always good to reflect on these readings before we get uh, into the, into Sunday. Man, there's, and so yesterday in my parish... It was November 1st, which is All Saints Day. I don't know about your parish. We celebrated Halloween a second time because we just love that candy. I, I mentioned that in my homily. It's a good day to eat your candy. It's a good celebration day. Um, but my homily yesterday had three points, and I think it ties in, I think, with what we're talking about here with Paul. Um, and the first is that we celebrate the fact the saints have made it home and that they're there, that they're our goal, our reminder that we can make it. The second point was that we don't make it alone. We don't walk alone. We've got our brothers and sisters in this life to help us, to encourage us, but we also have the saints interceding for us. And I talked briefly about um, patron saints. So here's St. Michael, the name of this parish. is a beautiful reminder that, you know, we're going to enter into battle. It's good to have someone um, defend us and then, you know, to find those people, you know. So, again, Augustine's a good one for if you don't like going to church. Augustine didn't either. Ask for his pay, ask for his intercession. Um, ask him to walk with you. You're struggling with lust. Oh, look, there's Augustine again. He had a lot of trouble. You got a, your mom or dad who does a kid that doesn't want to go to Mass. St. Monica, his mom, who struggled with that. And just to get to know the family. But my third point was that life is hard. And so our gospel was the Beatitudes and very much talking about the struggle and the trial. And it's, I think, important for us to remember that nowhere in the Scripture does it say that life is going to be easy. Our reading for today, All Souls Day, one of the gospel options was my yoke is easy, my burden is light, which still implies you have to go to work, which is not easy. Um, And so just to remind you. You're still carrying something. Yeah. You're still carrying something. You're carrying the cross of Jesus. Because I think that whole prosperity gospel, even though it's not something most Christians um, hold to as like their main thrust in their theology, it's definitely something that... I think subconsciously it's a part of their theology, their, their operative mm. theology, the way they put the faith into practice. And I think that they say, well, if life is going to not good stuff, it's going to pot, you know, everybody's sick. And then that's when those questions of God come in and like, well, how can God take care of us? He's like, well, he's done nothing but tell us repeatedly sometimes life is going to be hard. Yeah. And in, in all the different ways that we know that, whether it's disease, illness, depression, 
sick, sickness, war, whatever, persecution. Um, and just remain steadfast knowing that God will take care of us in those times. It may not be the way we want or when we want, but he has our best interest in mind. So I was thinking about something. The, the A lot of Paul's letters, most of them, when, especially when we hear them in the, the reading, starts with brothers and sisters. When when we hear brothers and sisters in these readings, do you think we hear them the way Paul wrote them? Like, do we believe that, like, Kev, you are my brother? Yes, you're my brother in Christ, and we say that, and we pray that, but do we believe, like, does that affect our day? Because like you said, Father, like, like we're not, we can't get to heaven alone. We can only get there with our brothers and sisters, but we have to do that. We have to actually believe that we are brothers and sisters. Now, my question is, and I'm not 100% sure on this. Everything I like it. Said. I like it. That's what I usually <laughs> That's do. A kind no, of I'm, I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to trying to pull up. I'm trying to stall so I can pull this up. I don't know that Paul ever actually says brothers and sisters in the readings or if it's just something that we've put in as a church to say here's who he's addressing at large. Like he's either saying like beloved. Like oh, you mean at the beginning of the readings. Yeah, because oh. it's not like brothers and sisters doesn't randomly appear no, throughout the reading. Really. It's just at the beginning. It's of at the letter. beginning of the entire letter. That's and that's what, what I, I was going to look at. Yeah. Like to the church. So he's saying to the church, but I don't know that he ever says brothers and sisters specifically. But I still think I don't think it discounts your point, though. I think it's it's still a good question of are we do we believe it? Do we live that out in yeah. a way? Like, do we come in uh, into the relationships of our lives saying I am I have to care for you as a brother. I have to care for you as a mm-hmm. sister. Um, I have to rebuke you as a brother. I have to rebuke you yeah. as a sister. And uh, that's a great question that I don't have the answer to. Cool. And that's the thing too is we don't. Um, I don't think we live any of our relationships, not any of them. We don't live most of them the way that we're supposed to. Um, so Cain and Abel, right? Death, God says, what happened to your brother? He says, am I, am I my brother's keeper? The answer to that question is yes. Mm. <laughs> you are. You're supposed to be there to take care of your brother. You're not supposed to kill him, which you did. That's a bad idea. Don't do that. Um, bad. But I do think that we do fall short in that area as well. And one thing that I try to remind myself of when I am struggling with calling somebody on something that they need to be called on, whether it's being firm and I don't know. I'm going to mass, nothing come to my mind, but I'm usually pretty firm on, well, no, you have to be to mass unless you have a legitimate excuse. Um, but that or some other sin is it's out of justice. So if you tell somebody, so like if it's any other area of our life again, um, say you're drinking poison, something's going to make you sick, I'm going to tell you, you drink bleach, that's going to make you sick. That's going to be bad for your body. And to do the same thing with our souls, I think we need to take that attitude of what true justice is, of helping our brothers and sisters at those times, or being mm-hmm. there to walk with them in the midst of their struggles, and to realize that just staying away isn't always the best option if they're going through a struggle. Sometimes we need to say, if nothing else, I'm praying for you. Mm-hmm. And actually pray. And actually to pray, yeah. Not yeah. just to say it, but I mean, yeah. in terms of your interaction with them, to just say yeah. that, and then to pray. Yeah. Which we we know from yesterday and today that we have the souls in heaven praying for us and like so we're called to do what they i mean in heaven like that's what it is we're praying and you know i love when the kids ask me like what's heaven like well, i'm like well we're we're praying yeah always and they're like really <laughs> like there's like no golf or anything and i'm like no you're praying and they're like that sounds awful and i go i know 
<laughs> I promise it's going to be worth it. <laughs> but like we know that those souls from All Saints Day and from All Souls Day today are alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it says at the end of the gospel, Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he's not a God of the dead, but of the living, for to him all are alive. And so we, we celebrate these two days knowing that our God is a God of the living and all those souls that pass on from this world are alive there and are interceding for us. And you know, I dare say that they're more alive than we are because they are yes. they are in heaven and they have reached the fullness of who God created them to be, yes. um, which is such a beautiful, powerful image to reflect on, like in our daily life, like to recognize that we're not fully alive right now because we're not fully in line with God and his will. OK, so I had a question that might be a little bit off topic, but I'm going to go with it anyway. So I hope that's OK. What I have ran into, we have a couple teens that come to Life Teen that are not Catholic and the biggest, one of the girls that comes, her and I have gotten into a discussion before, and I, any answer I give her is never the answer that she, she asked. But I think a lot of Catholics would either unknowingly just do this or are questioning this as well. Why do we believe in intercessory prayer? Like the all souls and stuff like that. How, that's a big difference between the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church or Catholic Church and the Baptist Church, for instance. Mm-hmm. So where somebody talk i'm gonna steal this one and i'm gonna let you give a way better answer after me Um, the story that that i just keep throwing at people's life is the wedding feast at cana where jesus where mary comes to jesus and says hey they need they need more wine and jesus is like it's not my time like what does this have to do with me and mary's like okay do whatever he says and like that literally shows the power of prayer because it brings god's ministry from the future into the present like, that's the power of prayer, is it can literally change the course of history. Because Jesus says, mm. it's not yet my time. I'm not supposed to be start doing ministries. I'm not supposed to enter into the field yeah. yet. Like, there's still time before my ministry is supposed to start. And Mary says, no, I'm it's praying, to start. and it's coming now. Yeah. And when we pray, we bring the kingdom of God from the future into the present. Mm. Oh, I like that answer. So do I. Good job. Thank you. Um, do you have more? It is. Well, we've got that whole idea of... It's not enough. I mean, we've got that example. We want to walk side by side. And I think it goes along with the whole idea that God chooses to have us take part in his creative acts. So the very beginning of creation, God creates everything. He gives Adam and Eve a job in naming. So he gives them some dominion, some power. And he says, go be fruitful, multiply. Go continue my act of creation. So he wants us to work with him. And so I think that's a part of why he chooses to allow us to be intercessors for one another. And if we're going to do it in this life, as we have with Mary at the wedding feast of Cana, why would that stop when we're done in this life? When we're even closer to God, we're closer to the people who we're supposed to be, which is what we will be when we're in heaven. Why would God not want us to continue that when we're closer to him? And just also to speak just briefly, because I don't know exactly where it is in the Old Testament. I will tomorrow when I teach this at RCI because it's in my notes. Um, But in the Old Testament, there's a habit of praying for those who have died. Uh, It's after one of the battles. Oh, yes. yes, I've looked at his notes since last year. It might even be in Maccabees. Um, But there's a place where after the people have died, they're praying for them. And the only way that it makes sense to pray for them and this goes along with purgatory too, which we celebrate today um, in recorded time of the feast of all saints or of all souls. That there are men and women who are in purgatory on their way to heaven, they have to be purged or cleansed of some of their sinliness um, before they're ready to enter into God's presence. But there's obviously something that happens after this life, and so it's also a part of our tradition that goes back well before the time of Christ. We pray for those um, who have died, so it works on both parts. It's been in our tradition forever. Um, as well as why would God stop having us help one another? 
Yeah. And I wanted to, I just wanted to put a quick clarification on something Father said there because I think people would misinterpret it. When he said cleanse of our sinliness, it's cleansed of our attachment to our sins. Yes. Yes. Confession cleanses of our our sinfulness, but the attachment still remains. Yeah. That's why we have purgatory. That's why you keep saying the same sins every time you go to confession. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) Or not, hopefully, all of the exact same, but. Uh, So I just did a quick little search, and one story that came up from the Gospels is Christ prays and Lazarus rises from the dead. Oh, there's that too. Like, I never would have thought of that one. Neither would I. But But it's also Jesus. But he's also man. That's full God, full man. He would weep in his humanity. Yeah. I love that we go to that story. For the first time that, like, we're like, oh, that's when Jesus rose someone from the dead. Like, that's the first time he did. But he rose, was it Jarius's daughter, brought yeah. her back from the dead yeah. first? And yeah. It just wasn't as big of a deal because well, it was Peter's, only for a couple hours. Did, isn't Peter's mo- uh, mother-in-law? She was just really she sick. sick. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I always get these these people confused. I mean, Lazarus is dramatic because it's like three days long and he yeah. waits for him to die. And he, has, he was stinky. Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay, let's get to the gospel. We only got like five more minutes. Uh, so the Sadducees. Because they couldn't eat bacon. Still and no resurrection. And no resurrection. And no resurrection. <laughs> you can only handle one of those crosses. That gr- joke never gets old. <laughs> uh, somebody somebody, go. I mean, I think we've been talking about the gospel this whole time. Yeah. Like, and it just is so applicable. And I love the way that Jesus always talks about, like, these big things in the gospel. And it seems like Paul brings it back to the practical in the readings, like a lot of the stuff that he says, like is a practical reflection on what it takes and means to have the strength to be guided into the life of the resurrection. But here Jesus is just like breaking down all these teachings, teachings, but he's really just focusing on like, you guys don't know what the resurrection is going to look like. Mm. Like you are going off Moses and what Moses has said, which was good, but like, I'm bigger than Moses. I created Moses Mm -hmm. and I'll tell you what this looks like. So that's true. And I, I, I just need to interrupt. <laughs> that so that blank, that, that, that weird silence was for... That was because Father. <laughs> father wants coffee and mo- in our shared document. I need, I need go- go- Bolded <laughs> the coffee with 10 exclamation marks. I need coffee before our next podcast. I'm tired. Anyway. Bless you. With oh, this... Thank you. Um, so one commentary I was reading, it was something that Kevin said, but I forgot about it because Kyle's rant on coffee in my me, typing. Me, me. Um, it's talking about how the Sadducees here have a very, um, they're, what they're downplaying, their understanding of the resurrection, they don't believe in it. But what understanding that they have is very juvenile, it's very naive, and Jesus is saying what you understand the resurrection to be and what you're rejecting, I guess would be kind of what we would say. I agree with your rejection of the resurrection the way that you understand it. So what Jesus is saying is everything in this life is a foretaste of what's to come. And so he's talking about marriage here. He says, um, oh, geez, where to go? Moses, where's the line? Now at the resurrection, no whose wife will that be? Uh, the children of this age marry and remarry, but those who are deemed worthy to attain to the coming age and the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage. Okay, good. That's the thing. Um, so in heaven, we will not be married. So oh. Kyle will no longer be married. Kevin will no longer be married. Um, when they so enter weird. into God's presence, because it's for this life. And so that old phrase, 
till death do a spark. Kyle and Kevin are not married to each other, which is what Kyle's going about. We both just gave each other like this eye. Like, no, I, I, I don't know. I, that's not what I was doing. <laughs> I was thinking about the stress of not being married in heaven. Like, I mean, I love being married. It's a great sacrament, but it was raised to the level of a sacrament for a reason because <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> and getting to heaven and just being like, woo, yeah. get to take that cross off my back. I love you, honey. I'm sorry. Kyle won't be married to Monica anymore. Kevin won't be married to Daria anymore. Tomorrow. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Sorry, Kevin. <laughs> and the reason is marriage is a sign that points to God's Trinitarian love. And we've talked about that before um, a little bit. But in short, in the Trinity is there's an eternal exchange of love between the Father and the Son. Father pours himself completely in the Son. Son takes that love, returns it to the Father. That love is so real and tangible it is the Holy Spirit. And Kevin now has a couple of kids, which mirrors that. He and his wife offer their love to each other completely, where they have to name that love a few months later. <laughs> Kyle, we're waiting on Kyle and Monica. Settle down. To enter into that. Settle down. Accidentally make people think that you might be pregnant. So we're waiting on that. I should start sending him daily <laughs> gifs, encouraging. Encouraging it. Just the elbow one. <laughs> but once we enter into God's presence, we no longer <laughs> need that sign. And so that sign will disappear and we'll be in God's love. And the love that we Ooh, have, I it's like not that it will be lessened between you guys and your spouses. It will be magnified because you'll be in God's presence. You'll have those attachments to sin removed. So you'll be able to receive and offer love much more completely and fact, as perfectly as you can. And therefore, you will love your wives Ooh. much more um, Beautifully than you do in this life, but it won't be as exclusively as you do through the sacrament of marriage. I like that. Never knew that. You probably you probably covered that in marriage, yeah. but I just wasn't listening. I'm sure, we did like eight times, most likely. I also wanted to touch on because I know we're running out of time. Yeah, we really uh, are. This line here at the end: "They can no longer die, for they are like angels." And I think that's one of the places that people get the idea of, "Oh, we go to heaven and we become angels." But you definitely do not become nope. an angel when you die. Nope. Where are you? We oh, are there, like there. angels. You're still um, a person. We're still a person. Human being. Uh, we we are like angels because it, when we are in heaven at this point, we are pure spirit, pure soul. Angels are also pure spirit, pure soul, but there is a distinction there between us and angels. So, and uh, we will get our bodies back when the resurrection of the darn tootin', and we'll be able to do dope things like fly and walk through walls and just appear and disappear. That would be super awesome. I'm really excited oh, for that. Man, that'd be awesome. That's what I tell people. If you think you're not sure about heaven, you're going to get the fly, and they're like, "Okay, I'm in. What do I have to do?" <laughs> uh, all right, what do we need to end on? Because we need to wrap this up. I, I just got to make a comment here that heaven, uh, not heaven, Kevin made a note in our no, our show notes. Is heaven worth more than bacon? I mean, like, we're talking about the resurrection and the gospel. The first reading is, I mean, they're giving up bacon and saying, I'm going to resurrect. And so, like, I mean, it just begs the question. Like, yeah. is heaven worth more than bacon? False question. This is what heaven will be. Bacon. It will be a conveyor belt of cooked, <laughs> perfectly baked <laughs> into right my in mouth. <laughs> I imagine Homer, Homer Simpson. Simpson. <laughs> 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 that is awesome. Oh, amen, brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, I got nothing else. We need to wrap this up. I think that's what we need to leave it on is Homer Simpson's. Bacon. All right, good. So make sure you eat bacon while you can, or if you can, or eat bacon. Thanks for listening, everybody. (laughs) Peace. God bless. I'm so tired.